Thank you so much for joining us for this journey through the book of Romans by Pastor Sumiko Stroud of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located in Bremen, Georgia. To find out more information about our ministry, just log on to www.kingdomrock.org. And now here is Pastor Sumiko Stroud in part number one of the series entitled Journey Through the Book of Romans. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to our Sunday school class. We're going to open up in prayer uh, and then we will just jump right into it for the next few weeks. Ever how long it takes us to get through Romans, we're going to have combined class. So our, everybody's going to be in here together. Bow your heads with me. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day, Lord, that you have made. Help us to rejoice and be glad in it. And Father, we thank you for this opportunity of learning, of growing, and sharing. We ask that your Holy Spirit will be in our midst, that you would open up the scripture to us. Help us to read your word and hear your word and understand your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, like I said before, we're going to be doing a little studying in the book of Romans, and I have some outlines available. Uh, we have, we'll have Romans split up into a few sections here. There's 16 chapters. We will eventually make it through all of them, but this is something you can use in your reading study time uh, if you like. So if you want one of these when class is over, you can get it. I don't think you really need to, if you want to take notes today, you can just write it on something else and... You can have one of these later, because if I give it to you now, you'll just be looking at it. There's just lines. All right, so we'll give you those at the end of class for anybody that's interested. All right, so now as we journey into uh, the book of Romans, Romans is actually a letter. Uh, its full name is called the Epistle of Paul, the Apostle to the Romans. Fancy, right? Yeah. Uh, epistle meaning letter uh, of Paul, letter from Paul, uh, the apostle uh, to the Romans, to the church uh, that was in Rome. Now it's unclear uh, who founded the church in Rome, uh, but it's kind of uh, agreed upon or thought that they were perhaps, uh, you remember in the book of Acts, uh, during the day of Pentecost, it's a little, little verb, little phrase in there that says that there were those from Rome. So more than likely, there were people there uh, who witnessed um, the uh, infilling of the Holy Spirit and, and the sermon uh, that subsequently followed, and so they would have taken that back uh, to Rome. And so more than likely, uh, the church was started from there, from people who had traveled uh, back and forth. Paul, um, in that there had not been any of the, of the apostles who had gone there, uh, was that was part of the reason that he was um, so anxious to get there so that he could impart uh, some truth, some foundation. Paul's an apostle. He did a lot of foundational teaching. And so he wanted to get there to make sure uh, that they were on the right track, so to speak. Most of Paul's letters have to do with correction. He's writing to a church um, because there's something going on there that has come to his attention that is incorrect. And so he's writing to them, letting them know, hey, you know, you're off track. What's going on? You did run well. And now you, so you get this thing, going to get, get your house in order, so, so to speak. But Romans is not like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Romans is not uh, a letter of correction. It's more of 
uh, it's a doctrinal book, more of a, like a letter of theology. Paul letting them know this is the foundation of our belief. Uh, this is where we, you know, where we should be. Um, and understandably so, um, because of the fact that they had not, this was not a church planted by any of the apostles. All right, so we're going to start out with Romans 1, 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Now, this seems like a rather brief sentence, but there's so much in there. And we're going to see if we can't dig some of that out uh, today as we go in and get some foundation on the book of Romans. Now, one thing we need to know, the book of Romans is made up of 16 chapters. Um, you know, originally when it was written, he did not write his letter in the form of chapters and verses, but the, we know the Bible was compiled uh, and divided into chapters and verses to help us to be able to read it and understand it a little bit better. Uh, so it's divided into 16 chapters. It was written, uh, Paul was in Corinth at the time that he wrote the letter uh, to the Romans, and it was actually delivered by a deaconess. Uh, Phoebe was her name, uh, delivered to the church there. Now, this is during the time of the Roman Empire, and the city of Rome was the largest uh, in the Roman Empire at the time. So have you ever heard that phrase, all roads lead to Rome? Uh, if you look at where, where it was on the map, that was true, because of the way the Roman Empire was, uh, most, you, there was uh, most people traveled by boat, then, or you know, if you were traveling on foot, it was um, a very a city where everybody came through. A lot of back and forth, so a lot going on, uh, not all good uh, in the city of Rome. And so, um, here we go uh, to Paul, who's going to send this information uh, to the Romans because he wants to make sure he wants to go and visit. He's been trying to get there, but he's been waylaid and waylaid, and so he finally decides he's going to just send. A letter, uh, which we can learn from. Sometimes if you're not able to get where you need to be, uh, you may have to try to consider another way. All right, let's just not give up. I'm so glad that he didn't just give up and say, well, I'll tell you what I want you to know when I get there. Uh, but that he did take the time to pen this letter and send to them. So a little background on who is Paul since he is the author of this letter. We want to know a little bit about who he is. We can find out about him in the book of Acts. But you won't see the name Paul uh, at the beginning there. You'll see him as Saul. That was his given name at birth. He was from Tarsus, uh, which is in the area now of modern-day uh, Turkey. And he was a Hebrew, Hebrew uh, ancestry, meaning that he came from uh, the lineage of you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's sons. You remember there were 12 of them, uh, the youngest, Benjamin. Saul was a Benjamite, meaning that he could trace his ancestry back to Benjamin. His parents uh, were Pharisees, means they were sticklers uh, for the law of Moses. And... Um, they sought to protect him from any kind of contamination uh, from the Gentiles or from, from the Greeks, anybody that was non-Hebrew. So his household spoke Aramaic, which would have been the Hebrew dialect, Hebrew tongue. Now, what language is the New Testament written in? Greek. It's written in Greek. So Paul could speak Greek. 
Uh, he was very uh, well-educated uh, young man, um, set apart as a Pharisee. So here we have somebody that is very learned in the law and a stickler for the law, no compromise. So we can see how this builds him up to be the person that he becomes uh, before uh, he becomes Paul. So he studied um, at the age of 13. He was sent to Palestine to learn from one of the great rabbis, um, Gamaliel. And we can also read a little bit about him in the book of Acts. So um, he was very well educated. Um, he became a lawyer and he was looking to become a part of the Sanhedrin. Oh, we'll write that down. Nice vocabulary word. Sanhedrin. I'm not sure how to spell it. Let's see. Um, which is the equivalent of the Jewish Supreme Court. Okay. So he was um, looking to become a part of that uh, at some point, but you know how we can plan and God can just step in and change all of that. Right. So Paul went about and we can see, we see a little bit about him in the book of Acts where it comes to the stoning of Stephen. Uh, he was there, uh, possibly holding this, the jackets of those that were doing the stoning. Uh, but it was um, his, he was very zealous for his faith and his belief that Christians, who were then called followers of the way, uh, were heretics. And that it was up to him to cleanse the church of the heresy, of the um, incorrect beliefs. Because they were, you know, preaching that Jesus came to fulfill the law. And so he went about persecuting the church, uh, gathering up Christians, and hauling them in uh, to prison. Whether you were a man, woman, child, it didn't matter. Uh, and he felt that he was doing what God would have wanted uh, him to do. And he was very good at his job. The people were terrified of Saul. And so he had gone uh, before the high priest uh, to get letters to go and carry out this rounding up Christians. And he was on his way to Damascus when we come across the famous um, road to Damascus experience, Paul's conversion. So he's going uh, down the road and he has an encounter uh, with the Lord where the, uh, you know, the Lord asked him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And so that's at that point where Saul is converted, where he realizes, yes, ma'am. Yes, Jesus. It was it was an encounter with Jesus uh, on the road to Damascus there. Uh, the people around him could hear the voice, but they couldn't see him. And after the experience, Saul was actually left blinded uh, for three days. And um, during which time they, they led him back to another to the town and Ananias uh, was told the Lord spoke to Ananias and told him to go and, you know, go to Saul and I've set him apart for my work. But Ananias is not crazy. We know this is a man that's persecuting everybody. And so he says, not so, Lord. <laughs> this is a man that's rounding everybody up and putting them in prison. Now, I have no desire to go to prison, so I'm going to take a pass on this one. But the Lord assures him that now I've, I've called him out um, to be my instrument, my chosen instrument to carry my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Uh, and so Ananias follows the Lord's instructions, and he goes and he finds Saul, he lays hands on him, and he receives his sight back. Um, and so then he's taught, 
you know, the way and he goes forth to be, um, instead of persecuting the church, he goes forth to spread the gospel. So that gives us a little bit of insight. Uh, and because during this transformation, he is no longer called Saul, but he's uh, called Paul. Okay. All right. Which is more of a Roman name. And Paul was his family. They were Roman citizens, even though they were also of Hebrew ancestry. Okay, and then Paul goes on um, <clears throat> to write uh, a good portion of the New Testament and becomes um, a wonderful apostle um, and teacher of the way. All right, so a little bit of insight on who Paul is. Are we okay? We're all together so far? All right, now, so that brings us to the next servant. Now, um, back then when they wrote letters... They did a little bit differently than what we do now. They would start off by, you know, with an introduction of who they are and what their credentials were, so to speak. Now, when we write a letter, when we write letters, <laughs> we typically what? You just sort of jump right on in there, dear so-and-so, and you don't identify yourself until the very end, unless, you know, you have it on letterhead. But this was different. Um, this was Right off the bat, you need to know who I am and what authority I have to say the things that I'm going to say, and then who I'm talking to, and then this is what I'm, you know, writing about. This is my subject matter, um, which sounds like a very good approach. Now, when I do a little um, grant writing and when I do some uh, solicitation letters, that is usually how the approach that I take when I'm doing those for the food bank. I let them know right off the bat who I'm writing from, you know, who I am and what we do and what I'm asking for. So that if you don't have the money to give, you don't even need to read the rest of the letter because the rest of it just sort of emphasizes what we're going to do with this money that you're giving me, right? But right off, you know, from the beginning, this is who we are. This is what we do. This is why we're writing to you. This is what we're doing. So Paul identifies himself from the beginning. I'm Paul. And now a word of him has spread around so people know who Paul is. That was that guy that used to persecute the church. But hey, he's saved now. And if God can save him, see, even in just that, this is Paul. Knowing his background, we know that if God can save Paul, God can save anybody. And if God will use Paul, he will use anybody, right? Everybody, anybody can be converted and go from, the, he did a 180. He went from persecuting the church to building up the church, right? From tearing it down to building it up because he had, you know, his heart was to do what God wanted him to do. Now, a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, servant. Not to be confused with like employee, you know, some people can, you know, servants, you can do it if you want to. If you don't like the person you're working for, you can quit and leave. Now, this is different. This is servant, meaning slave. Ownership. Somebody owns you. Now, there were a couple of different ways. He could have been referring to uh, Roman slaves, uh, which is somewhat similar to 
um, slavery, the system of slavery as it was in America. Uh, because the Roman Empire did a lot of conquering, uh, people that were prisoners of war or people who were inhabitants of countries they conquered uh, would be taken as slaves. And there was roughly a third of the population uh, were slaves. And those slaves were divided into two categories, field slaves, house slaves. Sound familiar, right? Field slaves, short lifespan because they were treated horribly, just workhorses. And they were bred so that when they died, there would already be somebody to take their place. Not a good place to be in. And then the household slaves that were treated better, um, some you know, relationships with the family, some were even taught to read, um, that kind of thing. So better lifestyle for them. But still, you're owned by somebody. <clears throat> and then there was also the Hebrew slave, which was different. The Hebrew slave or a bond servant was somebody who had gotten, gotten themselves in so much debt that they did not see a way out, incurred so much that they couldn't pay, and then you could sell yourself into slavery uh, to pay the debt. A bond servant would be, they would be sold into slavery for six years. On the seventh year, you'd be set free and your debt would be wiped clean. But then you, you would have an option. Some people at the end of that six years would say, well, you know, I'm living good, life is fine, you know, this ain't a hard job, and where am I going to go? I don't have anything. Um, I don't have anything to go back to. <clears throat> Excuse me, so I'll just stay here. And if that were the case, and they would tell the master, I'm good, I'll just stay, you know, in this position that I am, and they would take them before the, the council, before the judge, so that everybody knew that you were choosing freely to remain a servant, and they their ear, their right ear would be pierced. And there would be a ring put there and that would let everybody know that they were a bond servant, that they were owned by somebody. And there are other reasons. Sometimes as while they were a bond servant, if they married somebody in the master's house, then when it was time to go, they'd be like, well, you can go, but your wife and kids still belong here, so they have to stay. And so for that reason, they would choose to stay. So different reasons. Um, but this was servitude by choice. And so this was more than likely the one that Paul um, was describing himself as a bond servant. I had a debt that was so big, I couldn't pay it. And Jesus paid that debt for me. And because of that, I could go back out there on my own, but I'm going to stay with him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to remain a servant in his house and do what it is he's called me to do, a servant of Jesus Christ, okay? So this is more than just, I'll do, you know, well, okay, I'll, I'll do a little bit for him today, then maybe not tomorrow, I'm going to do what I want to do for myself tomorrow. No, this is I'm committed to doing what it is he's called me to do. You can read a little bit more about bond servants in Exodus. Now, bond servant <clears throat> of Jesus Christ. Now, it's kind of fancy. Well, it was for a little while, you know, to be a Christian, you know, in this day and time. Not so much now. But we're looking at back here, back in this time, not too long after the resurrection of Christ. You are telling people, now, this is a very well-educated man. 
who's telling people, I'm choosing to be a bondservant, a slave of, you remember that carpenter that used to walk around and say he was God, the one that they killed? Yeah, I'm his servant. And so you got to wonder, people are like, huh. <laughs> you had such great aspirations to be a part of the Sanhedrin, and now you are content to roam the countryside, and those people that we all said were crazy, you're saying you're one of them now, right? And so it wasn't so much a popular thing to be saying, I'm a bondservant of the dead carpenter because not everybody believed that he was resurrected from the grave. If they had, problem solved. Hey, the man that was killed is now up. We're going to all believe. So not everybody believed, right, that Jesus was who he says he was. Some people thought he was just a crazy man. They went around and said he was God. Think about uh, just in the time that we've been alive, how many people have said that they were um, a messiah of some sort, um, a prophet that we should do as, you know, follow them and do what they say. And when somebody comes up, and if somebody were to come up and tell you that, what would you be like? Mm-hmm. Better watch them. So, yeah, right, yeah. Um, there are all kinds of th- And when we look at them, we think, oh, how ridiculous. Same situation. You have, Jesus was not the first person to come to say that he was the Messiah. And so when he came, they were like, here's another one. Here we go again. Now we know that he was the Messiah, but we get the opportunity to look back and, and see how, as he came in his life, how it was a fulfillment of scripture. But we have the opportunity to look back. Think about if you were there in the midst of it. Unless God revealed, you know, to you, you wouldn't know. And so here Paul is connecting himself to Jesus Christ right off, right at the beginning of the letter. This is who I am. I'm Paul. I'm a bondservant. I'm not my own. I'm choosing to be a servant of Jesus Christ. I believe that he was who he said he was. He was the Messiah. I'm linking myself to him. So that right off from the beginning, you know, if this is not okay with you, you just might as well put this letter down because there's nothing else in here. You know, this is, this is, you know, my position from the beginning and we should live our lives like that. That when we, you know, step into room, when I introduce myself, this is who I am. Got a problem with it? (laughs) Then just walk on, right? But I am, here I am, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. Called meaning separated or set apart. Has to do with purpose. So important to know what our purpose in life is. Now, not all of us will be called to be an apostle, but all of us are called to be something. You have to fill in your blank. And so wonderful, so amazing to know what it is you've been called to do. Because then when we stand before Jesus Christ and we say, Lord, I was your bondservant. And he said, well, as my servant, I told you to do thus and so. What happened? You didn't do it. Think about 
even if from an employer-employee relationship. Have any of you ever been in a supervisory position? You ever been in as a supervisor and you had to tell somebody, this is what I need you to do. And it could be something basic. Every day, you need to get here at eight o'clock. The first thing you do is clock in. After that, I need you to go and pull so-and-so reports and put them over on so-and-so's desk. And that's all you have to do. Then you go take a break. Well, if you come in every day at 8 o'clock and you clock in and you go sit down, you haven't fulfilled your purpose, have you? You may have fulfilled most of it. I got two-thirds of the way done. (laughs) But you didn't do your purpose. And so am I going to be pleased with you? No, I'm not going to be pleased with you. Because your purpose was to pull those reports and put them because there was something else that had to be done with them once they reached that desk. And that person can't do what they need to do because you didn't do what you needed to do. So we all play a role, all have a very important part in this. So you may be called to be, you could be called to be anything. You may be called to be trash collector. It ain't a fancy job, but I appreciate my trash being collected, right? And when my trash, we generate a lot of trash. And when my trash is not collected, my day doesn't flow smoothly. When that dumpster down there is full and we have to find somewhere to put it and then the trash piles up in the building, we're the rest of us not nearly as productive. So I need those called to be trash collectors to be trash collectors and collect some trash. You may be called to be a landscaper. Grass has to be cut. The stuff just keeps growing. And when you don't cut it, stuff that likes high grass, but not necessarily people, will start living in it. And then you got yourself a conflict with nature. As it's thinking, hey, the people have moved away. I'm moving in. (laughs) So we all have to be, we're called to be something. Paul says, I am a bondservant of Christ. I'm called, my purpose is to be an apostle. The apostles were sort of like the foundation setters, so to speak. They had... Um, an encounter with Jesus Christ and they knew what was necessary for the foundation of his church. And so that was important to be a foundation setter. Now there are some people that are called to be foundation setters physically here. For instance, this building, we had to get somebody that's called to lay a foundation before we could build this building or else we would have just built it up on the dirt and that wouldn't have worked out. And they needed to know what they were doing. And when they didn't do some things quite right, you see cracks in the foundation, right? Y'all see them? (laughs) I see them. And those cracks can cause problems later on. And if it's not set up properly, then the amount of weight that you can put uh, is affected. And so this is a very important job because when you're building something, you need to make sure that your foundation is going to be stable enough to hold 
um, the whatever is going to be put on it, the structure that's going to be put in place. And so Paul says, this is my calling. I'm called to make sure that these churches have the proper foundation so that as, as things are built on them, because we know this gospel has far to reach, and as it goes out there, if our foundation, if our beginning is shaking, then everything that we add to it is going to be unstable. And we don't want it to be unstable. All right, and so that's what Paul did. You don't see him doing a whole lot of other stuff, do you? But you do read about him giving foundation information to churches, helping to set them up, helping to correct anything uh, if they got off track, helping to pull them back on track so that they could do what had to be done. Y'all with me? Okay, so Paul, called to be an apostle, foundation. Now, separated unto the gospel of God. Now, we're familiar with the term gospel, the good news, right? Separated. Now, I'm not just laying any kind of foundation. I'm laying a foundation on the gospel of God. Gospel, the good news. Now, uh, this, the Greek term that's translated gospel um, was a term that, uh, and I'm not going to say it because I don't speak Greek, um, but the term was also used to refer when there was good news coming from the emperor. Like, you know, they were messengers back then. And so when the messenger would run, you know, if he were coming to tell people, he would start out by saying, you know, the good news, the Greek term, uh, good news of emperor so-and-so, he just had a son. That was a big deal. You know, he had a son. Uh, or the good news of so-and-so when they were coming back from battle, uh, the good news, you know, we are triumphant, you know, sort of thing. So it was sort of like a herald that you would start out the good news uh, of whatever that related to the emperor or to the king. And so Paul says, I've been separated to the gospel, the good news of God, uh, the good news that originated with God. This is not something that is man-made. Uh, this is a gospel that comes from God, originates from God centers around uh, Jesus Christ, but that is what it is my job to do is to lay this foundation um, about the good news of God, the, the gospel um, of the Lord. That's what I've been separated unto. Now, this good news, which we know, what, what does it mean? What, what is the good news? Well, there's a couple things, or one thing about us. <coughs> as humans, that we're flawed, right? Our biggest flaw is that time and time again, we choose ourselves and sin over God. Whatever else you got going on in your life can pretty much boil down to that's our biggest sin. It's not how much you weigh, how much hair you have, how many teeth you have, how many fingers and toes you have. Our biggest flaw is that when given the opportunity, sin Huh, gonna make me feel good. God, bond servant, supposed to be doing what he's called me to do. I'll be right back with you, God, in just a minute. I just need to take care of this, this one thing, then I'll check back in with you. We're flawed. Adam and Eve, wonderful, perfect relationship with God in the garden. Given the opportunity, they chose sin, right? Take this and you can be like God. 
Well, you were already in relationship. You were where we were supposed to be. But given the opportunity, they chose sin. Unfortunately, we will always be given the opportunity. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what kind of household you've grown up in, how much of the Bible you read, you will always be given the opportunity. We have free will. God doesn't take that opportunity or that choice away from us because he wants us to choose him. You're free. Choose whether or not you want to stay, whether you want to be a servant of Jesus Christ. Not a slave where you've been captured and you've been taken against your will, but a bond servant. Where you realize this debt is too much for me. He paid it. I got a good life living with him. I believe I'm going to stay. Because I know what it is when I'm out there on my own. I'm just going to stay right here with him. He has my best interest at heart. So we're flawed. But the good news is, is that Jesus Christ came and took our punishment, right? So that we could be reconciled to God. And that all we have to do now is choose to accept that he has taken our punishment and not try to continue to handle it on our own. But we can choose him and we can be reconciled um, to God. We can become spiritually alive again. Like Adam and Eve, we can walk with God in the coolness of the day. And we can be spiritually alive. But it's a choice. It's out there for each and every one of us if we choose uh, to follow that path. But if we don't, then we just remain walking in our flawed state. And we do the best we can do. And at the end of it, we pay the punishment. We, we have to take our own punishment. We pay the penalty for our sin. Because the works that we do here won't take care of it. There's nothing that we can do that can because we're not in a position to. Okay? All right. So that gets us through Romans 1 and 1. <laughs> the rest of it should go a little faster, but we had to get some sort of foundational information in there. So we have Paul, a letter from Paul, a servant, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. And we're going to see what it is he has to say um, to this church because he's setting a foundation for them because they have not had one and he's not been able to go to them. So we're going to get our foundation from this letter. Does anybody have any questions or comments? No? I want to encourage you to continue reading in Romans. We do have the outlines. It's going to be separated uh, into sections. Uh, today, section one is called the salutation. Uh, and we actually didn't finish it. The salutation goes up to verse 17. We'll finish it up next week. Uh, and then part B deals with sin. And then salvation, uh, sanctification, sovereignty, service, separation, and then the closing, signing off at the end. So... I have these available for anybody that's interested and it's just 
you know, lines for notes as you're reading. I have it in the sections and the verses, the corresponding chapters and verses that go with that section. So if while you're reading, you want to take some notes to write down or if you have any questions, what we will do uh, is each um, during each class time uh, for the sake of the recording, we will hold questions and comments until the very end. So if you have any, you know, write them down and uh, so that we can definitely get to those because I want you to be able to interact. I want you to make sure you get your questions answered. And I want you to have questions because that lets me know that you're reading it. Otherwise, unless you have read it and got a complete understanding, yay for you because I had questions. But anyway, so uh, these are available. Uh, so we'll pick up next week still in chapter one. So if you would, if you haven't read it already, of course, you can definitely read further than that. But if you would at least uh, read chapter one, it's not very long uh, of the book of Romans. So we can continue next week. All right. Thank you guys so much for being a part of our Sunday school program this morning. You are dismissed. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.